Hi, this is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and this is... Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This is a podcast where MG and I like to talk about our sobriety as we take it out in the world. And things that we encounter and issues that we encounter out in the world, it's so easy to stay sober in a meeting that we want to share our experience you know, we both have double-digit sobriety in multiple programs, and so we like to share our experience with you with different topics. Right. And so I love the topic that you want to be in today where you wanted to talk about abstinence, no contact, bottom lines perhaps. Let's just talk about that. And especially in regards to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, or sometimes we call it SLAW, which is a casual way to refer to that program and for well, no let's, contact. Let's back up a little bit because, okay. you know, you and I both came in through the mothership, you know, getting sober. And if you get sober from drugs and alcohol, it's kind of, you know, no brainer. What do you do? Like, well, you stop. <laughs> you stop using. You, you know, and there's many times when, you know, you'll go to a meeting and, and the message will be like, just don't pick up. No matter what you do, don't pick up. Don't pick up a drink. Don't pick up a joint. Don't pick up a... It's really quite straightforward. It is. It's not easy, but it is simple. Right. And so then you move into the other programs. And um, I heard... In fact, last week we talked... We interviewed... We talked to Ava Profada. Oh, she was fantastic. And I heard Ava say this one time where she said, um, so... Um, AA is where you take the tiger and you lock it up in the cage. OA, which is eating, is where you take the tiger and you lock it up in the cage, but then you let it out three times a day. And SLAA is where the tiger has no cage. And so there's some very gray areas and arbitrary areas where, you know, how do I know I'm sober? How do I right, know I'm not right, acting out? Right. Um, and my sobriety and then SLAA does not look like your sobriety and SLAA. It's going to be different. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you, your qualifier was someone that you um, worked with part time. Mine was someone that I worked with full time. Yeah. And I really wasn't able to get um, really clean sobriety until he lost his job. And then um, that went for six months, we had no contact. So let's talk about what no contact means. Right. So um, I've advised one of my, um, one of the people that I talked to about going into no contact with someone that they were in a voluntary relation. And this person doesn't really work a, a SLAW program, an SLAA program. And I say that she knows about it through me. And so I advised her to go into no contact, and I told her that the reason why I wanted her to go into no contact is to give her a pause, to give her an opportunity to process all the emotions around, maybe not the ending of the relationship, but there was like, we can't date kind of situation. So I said, I really recommend you going into no contact. So what do you think about that? So, so... Not in terms of like SLAA, but if someone was coming into in a SLAA, regular relationship, or right, they're just right. and they're trying to create space, or they want to end the relationship. I, I have someone in my life right now who is in a relationship, and she's um, just ended a long-term relationship. So, so let's I mean, talk about like you, the, the like is is no contact really what you need to do if you're in SLAA or 
or out of well, SLA. Well, or even is no contact sobriety. Does right. that mean you're sober? So for me, um, part, a lot of my no contact went around thinking about him. So yes. I had to have these like things where I stopped looking for him, thinking about him, wondering where he was, yes. reading old emails, listening to old voice messages. All, all of that encompassed no contact. In addition to, if he did, when he was still working with me, if he did approach my desk, I had to like not give any energy towards him because that's what that's what draw drew us to each other was when I gave energy towards him. Oh, I want him to stay. How can I get him to stay? And I didn't say these things, but I thought them. And the whole time he was in my presence, I was thinking things like, how can I get him to say he wants to have sex with me tonight? How can I get him to say, can I call you? How can I get him to say, let's go do this together? Or, you know, things like that. The whole time he was in my presence, I was thinking that and I had to shut that off. So I would just physically get up and move out of my desk when he came to me and usually go stand in a, a cubicle of a friend and cry because it felt like it was ripping my heart out. I knew he was hurting. I knew it was affecting him very much the way that it was me. It was confusing and painful, but I knew that was also the only way that I could get sobriety and I had to stop being codependent with him and just take care of my needs. Right. Well, when I went into no contact with my last qualifier, I knew that going into no contact would hurt that individual. And I struggled with my therapist who recommended it. And he even gave me like, you know, the phrase to text him saying, uh, I'm not going to be able to have any kind of relationship with you. So please don't try to email me. Please don't try to contact me or do anything like that. And I knew that that would hurt this person. So I really struggle with, hurting hurting people I really you know and and ultimately that's I think what this SLAA program has really helped me to be is to be in such integrity in my relationships that hopefully I won't hurt people but even so you know like we talked a few weeks ago I inadvertently hurt a family member I make up that I hurt a family member and you know that caused me a, a lot of pain but someone once told me that it's like taking care of myself but I have to take care of myself first. And if there may be pain to another person inadvertently, then you have to take that risk for your own health and well-being. Right, right. So for me, what no contact looked like was when I really committed to the SLAA program and I was willing to go to any links. And no contact was one of those links that I was willing to go to. And so it's sort of like everything, you know, in terms of like, and I call it good mental hygiene, where I don't even think about them. I don't know what the rule is, but if you find yourself having a thought that goes longer than seven seconds, then you're going to get into like fantasy. Yeah, you'll start to spiral. And so... And then then the dopamine kicks in, and so it feels that languishing sort of... uh, Longing. uh, Yeah, and it starts feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no contact was a, a large component for me for the whole process. But then I got to where I could create my bottom lines. But what was your process like? Because you had to run into your individual as I did. Right, right. So I remember that there was an audition that I wanted to go to. And, and when I went into no contact, I was recommended that it be 90 days. Just going to 90 days or 60 days, I can't remember. And I thought, oh my God, how can I do that? 
that's too long. I can't do 90 days, no contact. And the truth is, it's forever, but you can't say, right? <laughs> uh, you're going to. Yeah, because never they'll go. Them. They'll be like, no. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have any members at all. <laughs> but, you know, it gives you a pause to say, after 90 days, you know, what's the purpose of, you know, having contact with this individual? And, uh, and so, you know, it was what happened as a result of no contact. And I forgot to tell my friend about this was the result of no contact escalates you into what's called withdrawal. Oh yeah. Because which is a whole nother topic. Well, that's a whole nother topic. But, but the deal is, is that that's when I knew I was addicted. Right. And that I was really a bona fide sex and love addict because the withdrawal was so painful. And a lot of women talk about their withdrawal stories and, and I, I don't know if you remember um, this one woman who talked about that she just, you know, would get in the shower and she just would just let the water just like, she would just weep and cry and take a shower and let the water just wash over her. It was just so painful. And I used to get in the tub and then just do these primal screams. And I didn't find out later uh, when I was in acting school that that's like a technique to release tension and so it's called you know um, make a large sound so when you're doing your relaxation you know that's another tool that you can use to kind of release tension out of your body so I've been doing that unknowingly as a way to kind of release the tension within me but I would have like little mini anxiety attacks and Oh yeah. Well, so let's let's address withdrawal next week cuz I think that is a really good follow-up to this. Um, but I do think it's really important that if you if you're in a toxic relationship and you're struggling and you want to get out or if you're using and you want to stop, I do think it's really important that you get the aid of a sponsor and ask somebody how they did it and you know there's so much and the sponsor is a whole nother topic as well like how do I find a sponsor and there's nobody that'll sponsor and you know I don't like any of these people for my sponsor blah 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 or I don't have any people around I don't have yes like there's no meetings and we can have a whole you know and we will we'll address this because there are multiple ways to find somebody to sponsor you however you got to do that. That's got to be the number one thing that you do in order to help you through no contact. Because, you know, with, this is such a cunning, baffling disease that we'll figure out ways of, like, seeing this person and then justifying it. And then the next thing you know, you're spiraling back in it. I work with him. He was at, a, at, a, at an audition. Right. You know, I was at a party and there he was. You know, and I had to like really protect myself when I was in withdrawal and really working on creating space between the addiction um, and sobriety. And that's how I look at it. It's like, here's addiction and here's sobriety. And I needed to travel whatever space that was to get to sobriety. And, um, you know, there, I remember there was two funerals and I knew he was going to be there. And one of them I opted out of because I just could not, I just I did not, I, I wasn't, in, I found myself thinking about him yeah. and, um, yeah. and while then, you were at the funeral, well, getting ready, oh. you know, thinking about, Oh, oh yeah. here comes this funeral. Oh, I'll bet he's going to be there. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. oh, yes. And I didn't want to do that, you know? And so I opted out. And then it was a few months later that there was another funeral of another mutual friend, someone we both worked with. 
and I actually went to hers and he was there but he left right away and I left right away and so that one was you know easier yes so um but then I wanted to talk about the sex component of it because a lot of people male and females use masturbation or porn or um you know I have a sponsee that she wasn't using those two things, but what she was doing was calling. She had a friend that was not in program, and they would talk about their sexual escapades, and it it was this, like a euphoric recall kind of reliving, and it was just as triggering as if she were um, masturbating yes. or having you know using porn. Right. It, it was an it was a method of acting out. Well, that's why when you have a sponsor and you are able to be completely honest with them and you say, here's what I'm doing, right. that sponsor can say, you know, I recommend that you pull back from well, that. Well, and you the sponsor can recognize things. So like with this particular sponsor, she started telling me about this friend and I knew she had her and then said, well, how often do you talk? One day she was talking again. She says, well, we talk every day. I said, well, how many times a day? I don't know, like five or six. <gasps> oh no. And I was like five or six times a day, every day. Yes. And then I started digging a little bit. And it was just something in the way that she was telling me that made me pause and question. And so that's why you need a sponsor. Because right. this sounds like totally okay. Yeah. I got a friend and we're best friends and we talk all the time. We do mm -hmm. stuff and we hang out. We laugh and support each other. But there was way too... No, 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 no. You know, as we dug, mm -hmm. I found... You know, they were talking about penises and penis size and sex and orgasms and, you know, over and over and over again. And, you know, I... So, and sensationalizing. I just gently things. suggested that maybe this isn't the best way. And then, you know, the sponsee took it upon herself and she just extracted herself from that behavior. Yeah. And from the, uh, from the, from the, the relationship... And recently, let me know that, you know, she's hardly ever talks to the person again. Right. And has been able to create space and sobriety around that relationship. And her relationships with other women are a lot more rich and a lot more full. Right. So, right. Um, and I also believe, um, I don't know how you feel about masturbation, but I have a lot of um, sponsees that ask me, well, what about masturbation? Can I masturbate? Is that a bottom line? And, you know, you and I have had this conversation. Right. You, you know, I believe that if you are not masturbating compulsively and if you are not fantasizing, most women need to fantasize about a person in order to achieve orgasm or to have a pleasurable masturbating experience. So if you're not um, using a, a real person and you're not doing it compulsively, I don't see a problem with it. Right. Right. And I think it's I healthy. I concur, but, uh, you know, there are some people that are under the care of a therapist. And if the therapist recommends that you don't do the masturbation, then I'd say, you know, follow the therapist's recommendation. But I agree with you. And so I don't really think it's bad. And I, I think that you told me that, you know, masturbating is about having a sexual relationship with yourself. And I have heard that there are some people in the S programs that say that if you're in a relationship, you shouldn't masturbate. What do you think about that? Well, I don't agree because I just, you know, I don't, I've never had uh, a relationship where if either me or him masturbating was a problem. 
Okay. So I, I think it's like you got to find out, is it a problem? And again, I think if you're in an S program, you know, and, and specifically Sex Addicts Anonymous, I think it's different because it's all about the behavior. Right. And right, right, most right. sex addicts um, in, in program, I believe, I don't know this, but... I believe they use porn or sure. some, some other method. Some sort of compulsivity, compu- compulsive right. behavior. Yes, yes. Right. And, there, and then there's the objectification of women and, yeah. or men, either yeah. way. So, yeah. And that is, that's, you know, that is where I am against it. And so we have to have a conversation, you know, the sponsee and I, before we approach that part right. of it, you know. I knew someone that was... Um, you know, had said her bottom lines and was married and then shared that, you know, every morning she masturbated before she went to work. She'd take a shower and she'd masturbate and she'd go to work. And so I was like, oh, okay. So is masturbation not one of your bottom lines? She's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, do you, can you not masturbate and be okay? She goes, oh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, Never like, tried. How long have you been doing that? Like a long time. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you might want to experiment with not and see what happens. Just to see, is this something I must do every day? And so it was a, a really sort of interesting thing. And so, you know, I'd heard conflicting things in some of the programs that if you're in a relationship that... If you want to be sexual, you need to be sexual with that other other person. And I thought, well, what if you're on a business trip and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I still feel like it's the same as brushing your hair. But, again, or putting lotion on your hands or something, you know. But, again, it's a matter of self-care. It depends on the frequency and the compulsivity and if there's any other items that need to come into play you know so i think that it's all part of that and i think it 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 needs to be part of the conversation of your of your partner as well like if it bothers your partner then there needs to be a conversation about that like so if your partner says i don't want you to masturbate i think it needs to be why you know, right, 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 right. Because I know, like, for some, because I just feel like you I don't know, know like, I, I feel like for me, if I masturbated in the morning, I could still achieve orgasm at night. You know, right. Well, this this person that I knew would masturbate every morning, but wouldn't want to have sex with their husband, right? Because she wanted to masturbate, right? Or she didn't want to be sexual with her husband, right? She just wanted to masturbate. That was her right. prefer her right. preference, right? In terms so, of releasing sexual energy, and so I was like, "Well, I believe there's that, an issue there." You yeah, know? yeah, that I think, I think so. that is something that, especially if the husband wants to be sexual, oh yeah, at least some mornings, you know, what difference right. does it make if you're masturbating or doing that? And I so said, "Well, a, can you bring him in the shower? Like you know, can thing. you like, you know, yeah, if you want, if it's like that's how you want to start your day, right? Yeah, I yeah, no, right, but but in terms of like no contact." Getting back to, for me, it was about, like, I had to I had to stop all the masturbation. That was part of my, you know, 90 days of no contact. Because, you know, if I did masturbate, it would be with that person in mind. Uh-huh, so, right. you know, that had to be, you know, really, really clean. And then the no contact in terms of, and I remember you told me that I, it was within that 90 days. And I was going to go, uh, and I knew that this person was going to be there. And you told me, you said, if... You go, I'm going to consider this 
I slept and I don't think I want to sponsor you anymore. <laughs> and I was so afraid. I was like, oh, I, I can't go. And, and I've used that with other sponsees where it's like, well, if you do this, then I'm not going to be able to sponsor you. And they're like, yeah, fine. That's okay. I'm going to go do yeah, the Yeah, I'm going to go do it anyway. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, because it... And, I guess I was at the place where I was You willing. knew. I was You done. knew. You I knew it was going to trigger you if you went and ran into him. Yes. You knew it. And that's where, that's the thing is, is like, you have to be at this position where you're like, I, like with that funeral, it would have been the easiest thing in the world. It was a friend of mine. He died. I want to go to the funeral, but I know I'm going to run into him. Or and it would be so chance. likely to be comforted. Like, you know, oh, let's comfort whatever. each other around yes, the loss of this I person. I just don't want to. I did not want to do that. I did not want to go there. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I try not to have ultimatums, really, with my sponsees. Apparently, I did with you. But <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that leads up to that as well. You know, that, you know, when you, when that person knows, you know, it's just, it, it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's where you need to draw the line. So there's you know, and in I, I've never worked at an SAA program, so I don't know what that's like, and I don't know what their bottom lines are, what what qualifies as as abstinence. But I would guess it's no sex, and I don't know what like. But what if they're married and have a partner? So if you do work a SAA program and you do know, we'd love to hear you. You can email us at. Uh, sober sisters talk at gmail.com and um, we'll read your letter here on lo- here on our podcast and and get some feedback from it if um, if you if you do have worked one and you know anything about it I'd love to hear it I do know in OA in OA how that there's no white flour and no sugar and that you eat three times a day and that you weigh and measure everything well, and I can remember that there were people in AA back in the 80s who thought that it was okay to smoke pot. That it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not. Them, it's yeah. not. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, everybody. And so it was because they are like, well, I'm not drinking. And I was like, okay, that's a very that's interesting. True. That's very true. And, uh, and then someone was like, well, I can't talk about my pot smoking in my AA meeting. And I'm like, well, then go to an NA meeting because right. in, in an NA meeting, you can talk about everything yep. that you get high from. And, uh, so what is NA narcotics anonymous? And it's mostly for those who have opioid addictions or some sort of, um, like cocaine addiction, right. even though there is a cocaine anonymous uh, Narconon is much uh, more prevalent. It's more in big, broad, yes. If you're in a big, big city, city yeah, yeah, you can find it. However, comma, it's also a place where you can get a hookup. So it's it's a double-edged sword. As are most AA clubs, and so I, you know, I do notice that as well. That most um, AA clubs, you could easily um, slip into a sex and love addiction relationship so easy and there's some clubs here in this city that I'm yes I don't I stay away from for that reason yes Uh, so you have to be really careful um in the beginning when you're first getting sober from AA from your if you're withdrawing from drugs and alcohol it's a substance abuse and it it does take precedence and I do agree that you should work that one program and whatever it takes to get 
clean and sober Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. It was the foundation of my further recovery programs. Exactly. Because if I didn't have the mental clarity or the mental ability to even think clearly, how was I going to accomplish anything else? And so I feel like because I was sober in AA for so long, I was able to build a life and I was able to have a good job, that I had the money to have a good therapist and that I had built lovely, wonderful friendships so that my face could get in the dirt around my sex and love addiction. And so I believe that it was divinely, that it was divinely ordained that it happened in the way that it did because I was able to fall apart with complete support around me and complete love. And there's so many of us that had that same sort of pathway. I mean, they, you know, they don't go straight by any means, but... My pathway is exactly is exactly the same. It's right. I came in and I got sober from drugs and alcohol, and then I immediately created this long term toxic, very addictive relationship. Yeah. yeah, and it took me a lot to withdraw from that. Yeah, yeah. but I do. Um, do you do you ever hold any any? Do you still carry a little flame? Do you ever carry a little flame that things could no. never? Yeah, me either. No, there's no no desire. Yeah, no. But in fact, I wonder, what in the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It it was just so not in alignment with anything that I want. And that's a whole other topic as well. So we, in future podcasts, <laughs> we are going to cover sponsoring. We are going to cover withdrawal. We are also going to cover... Um, what, how you end up in that place, like what it, you know, cause so uh, mine was not knowing what it was that I wanted and I, uh, we can really help you with that and, um, figuring out what it is that you want from a relationship. Um, because that is really, really important. And that is the key to having a healthy relationship. If you haven't done that work, if you don't know, if you're like sober and AA and you just want to be, you know, you just met this hot guy at a club and you have no idea what it is that you want from a relationship. You haven't done that work. And I don't mean, I want a healthy relationship. Like, okay. Right. Yes. I want to have peace and serenity. Yeah. Okay. But you have to define that. Well, and that, that, that even segues into having a dating plan. What is a dating plan? And that's one of the other tools of the program, that a dating plan is very specific about how many times a week you talk to them, how many times a week do you do text, text how yes. many email, how many times do you see them once you start dating them. And all of those things are things that I felt like my mother should have taught me and didn't, and about, like, you know what's permissible what you know, boundaries what do you like and um you know pressure to like have sex or pressure to make out like I can remember in high school there was this one guy I dated and I liked him okay but he always wanted to make out and go parking and I enjoyed that but I didn't want to do that all the time and if it was like you know I was tired or whatever and he would say, oh, you mean we're not going to go make out? And he would be like, really, really, like, pitch a little stupid fit. And I would be like, okay, for like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, we can do it. You know, and then, of course, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes, you know, was an hour. And then it was like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? And so it was just all about boundaries and right. just about, you know, standing up for myself and what is it that I want. Like, I have permission to say what I want. And if I don't want to, then it's okay. And I can, like, just, you know, have the 
Well, you know, and, the, and if the other person gets upset or mad, and that's their stuff, that they is have, their stuff, and they have the right to get upset. But they have to manage it, not you. Correct. Correct. So, so we've covered some. You know, we've done. We've covered a lot of uh, lingo. We've talked about no contact. If you want to know what that means, or what bottom line behaviors mean, what. Um, um, withdrawal means what boundaries are. If you what a dating plan is. If you have questions about any of those things, what a SAA program is, what SLAA is, where to find a meeting. You know, please email us at silversisterstalk at gmail We'd love to get your feedback as well. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe and share it. Share it on social media wherever you found it. Please share it or share our link. We are at www.sobersisterstalk.com. And I have to share with you guys, we are in, we're in, um, we're in a ho- household with these two puppies. And that's what you might hear them in the background. We've had a lot of fun with them, though, while we're doing this. <laughs> Please forgive us. We're, made, we're, we're puppy sitting. But we do have a schedule. And we like to, you know, at least record once a week. And um, we want to keep doing that. So that we can maintain um, a constant feed of sober podcasts to you, our listeners. Right. And thank you so much. And stay tuned. And hopefully we'll have something up next week. Thank you. I'm MG. Elizabeth Pudwell. This is Sober Sisters Talk. Thank you. Bye-bye.